When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 356th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Hey, Kelly, we are going to be doing another one of those favorites for everybody, a Haunted Cemeteries episode. I love it. They're my favorite, too. I love doing them, too. And this one is number 16, and we have a pile of Haunted Cemeteries for you. And don't worry, I have another pile coming later. So there's still a lot of Haunted Cemeteries out there. Perfectly perfect. I have been proven so wrong when I said a long, long time ago, I don't really think many cemeteries are haunted because who wants to hang out with a bunch of dead people in the afterlife? In the afterlife, I was going to say, I'd like to hang out with a bunch of dead people (laughs) being a taphophile. Well, and you know, we're those kind of people. We don't really like people anyway, so I don't mind hanging out with dead people. I I think I prefer them over the living many times. This is true. But the people we don't like, that's just random public people. That's not our spooky family. No, but they're family. (laughs) That's different than just They're the weird kids, too. Yeah. (laughs) And we want to welcome some more into that family. We have Becky, who spells her name B-E-C-C-I, Cindy with an I. Stephanie with an IE, Melissa with only one L, Don Marie, Tangi, Cindy, Daryl with two L's, Jennifer, we have another Buffy, couple of vampire slayers now. Goodness. And Pat. Welcome to the crew, everybody. And now this moment, Noddy. On this episode, we are featuring haunted cemeteries, and one of the men buried in one of them was Joel Bean. We found an interesting rabbit hole connected to him that became our oddity. When Joel Bean died in 1942, the property he had owned was purchased by Leopold and Donna Seaman, who were entertainers in traveling circuses. Leo was known by a variety of names, Leo Suicide Seaman, Captain Leo Suicide Seaman, Fire Diver, the Human Firecracker, and the Dynamite Devil. He was really good at highboard diving, and he decided to add some tricks to that. He began his fire diving act in the 1930s. This was a crazy act. He would climb up an 80-foot tall ladder, douse himself in gasoline, and then set himself on fire. He would then do some kind of swan dive or somersault into a six-foot pool of water, which was also on fire. As if that was not dangerous enough, the pool had spikes all around it that could have killed him instantly if he missed. Another one of his stunts involved climbing into a box with three sticks of dynamite, and he would light them with his cigar and basically blow himself up. He and Donna opened up the El Jobian Hotel in 1942, and many circus performers would winter there, including the famous Flying Walendas. We're sure Leo's act was really something. Not only dangerously nuts, but it certainly was odd. And now, this month in history. In the month of October, on the 6th in 1945, the curse of the Billy Goat on the Chicago Cubs baseball team started. 
William Cyanus was a Greek immigrant who opened several chains of taverns in Chicago called the Billy Goat Tavern. He kept a pet billy goat as the mascot. William loved the Cubs, and on that October 6th day, he bought two tickets to the game, which was Game 4 of the 1945 World Series. One was for himself, and the other was for the goat. He brought the goat with him, and they allowed him to parade the goat on the field wearing a sign that read, We Got Detroit's Goat. Some people seated near the goat started to complain about its smell, so William and the goat were asked to leave. William was incensed, and he hurled a curse upon the Cubs. He said, Them Cubs, they ain't gonna win no more. You're going to lose this World Series, and you're never going to win another World Series again. You're never going to win a World Series again because you insulted my goat. And the Cubs didn't win a World Series or even a National League pennant for 50 years. They finally broke the curse, or whatever it was, in 2016. Whether you believe in a curse or not, the lesson here is clearly, don't piss off a man and his goat. We are all going to die, and most people desire a final tribute that will last on through the decades and even the centuries. This memorial could be a simple wooden cross, a small plaque, a tombstone of granite or marble, or even something as audacious as a mausoleum or pyramid. I'm going for the pyramid. Good luck with that. (laughs) Come on, Kelly. You can build it yourself. Maybe if we hit the lotto. I guess I am pretty handy, if I do say so. You are very handy and crafty. I'm sure you could come up with some kind of a pyramid for me. I didn't say it had to be like one of the big Egyptian ones. Okay, I can take a few bricks and stack them in a pyramid. Although I'm thinking the Nicolas Cage (laughs) pyramid really isn't my thing either. And there is that pyramid that's in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery too. This is true. And I'm sure they had a stack of cash to go behind it. (laughs) Okay, so that's a no. It's a soft no. We all want something that puts the final period on the fact that we actually did live. We were here. We contributed. We were loved. This is the purpose of cemeteries. For many of us, these are places of serenity. Life and death come together and sit in peace. But sometimes the peace is broken by vandalism or even restless spirits. In this, our 16th exploration through cemeteries around the world, we will discuss the history and ghosts of some haunted cemeteries. Our first cemetery is the Little Pennsylvania Cemetery in Ohio. Outside of the Columbus, Ohio area, one will find a little tucked away cemetery known by three names. The Little Pennsylvania Cemetery, London Darbydale Cemetery, or Wooly Booger Cemetery. Wooly Booger? (laughs) (laughs) That's why this one caught my attention. Was it somebody's last name? That last name was inspired by the cryptid creature that is believed to live in the cemetery. The cemetery has burials dating to 1834, and most of the burials are family plots with decorative cement edging. The layout is unique in that it is long and narrow and set on the side of a hill. Trying to imagine, I mean, the name Wooly Booger. You've got a booger with a bunch of wool stuck in it? Ew. I mean, that's what popped into my head when you read that. I guess that's true. I hadn't really considered it that way. Somebody that works at a wool mill and they have to blow their nose and (laughs) all the wool comes out. With their boogers. Oh my god! Sorry, I'm such a 13 year old boy. <laughs> well, that visual about sunk me. <laughs> this is a cemetery with many legends connected to it, and not much proof to back up those stories. But we love legends, so what the heck? One story claims that a man named Willie Butcher had lived across the street from where the cemetery is located. Butcher killed his family one night and then committed suicide. A little girl spirit in white has been seen wandering the cemetery, and people claim that this is Willie's daughter. Willie is said to haunt the cemetery, too. There is no proof that a butcher family ever lived in that place, and there is no evidence a house was ever there. Now, the house was from the 1800s, and supposedly the local villagers burned it down. So that might be why there's no house there, but there literally is no remnants, no stone anywhere, nothing that would indicate something had been there. Interesting. There are no people named Butcher buried in the cemetery. Willie Butcher could possibly have morphed into Wooly Booger. 
I don't know how, but that's one of the articles I read said that. And I'm like, okay, it has a W and a B, but how do you get Willy, Wooly, Butcher, Booger? I, I don't know. Maybe I mean, it really, kind of rhymes. Yeah, maybe with a thick accent or something. You'd get it that way. <laughs> Perhaps. Wooly Butcher could possibly have morphed into Wooly Booger. And that may be how that legend got started. Some storytellers claim that the girl in white was actually a murder victim found near the cemetery. There is a legend that a satanic cult would meet in the cemetery and conduct rituals, which is a rumor about so many haunted cemeteries. Indeed. Seems like almost every one of them have claims that there are satanic rituals going on in them. There are some who wonder if the KKK had met here, and that's where stories of ghosts in the cemetery may have come from. You know, you've got these long white cloaks on over their heads. They look kind of ghost-like. Sure. Meet in a cemetery where most people wouldn't go inside and see what they're doing. Now, as for the woolly booger, it is supposed to be a Bigfoot-like creature that lives in the woods near the cemetery. And again, I don't know how this legend got started because no one has actually ever seen one. So <laughs> how they know, legend. maybe they've seen footprints. I'm not sure. The Gias Paranormal Group have investigated in the cemetery and claimed that they captured odd pictures and EVPs. One EVP features a woman screaming, and they heard this audibly as well. One of the female investigators had long scratches on her back once they left the cemetery. Visitors to the cemetery do claim to hear screams, and several people claim to feel very nauseous when in the graveyard. And I did see the picture that they shared of those scratches on her back, and they were definitely not something that she could have made herself. They were across her entire back, and they were pretty darn visible. So hmm. I don't know where they came from. We weren't there. Maybe there's some trees, and she ran through some trees and got some scratches from that. I don't know. Right. Open-minded skeptics here. <laughs> Username DV wrote on the Mask of Reason blog, My story involves the cemetery and its gate. It was always said that if you do not walk through the gate and instead choose to go around, that something horrible will happen to you. Now, I'd always heard this, but never lent it much credence. But after this night, I kind of thought the legend may be true. I went with five of my buddies and we came to the gate. Well, four of us went through, but two of my friends made fun of the legend and laughed as they walked around it. We informed them, but they just shrugged it off. The next night, the two friends went into Lancaster and on the way back got into a horrible car crash, killing my friend the driver and almost killing the passenger. Also, on a separate occasion, it was just two of us and we were about to go in and a sheriff pulled up and, of course, stopped us. But after talking to the sheriff, he informed us to never go back there due to the satanic activities that he's had to deal with in the past. This was in the mid-90s, so for all of you who do go out to that cemetery built on a hill, make sure you go through the gate. I definitely would be. <laughs> yeah, so if you guys ever visit, I'm not necessarily superstitious, but why tempt fate? A woman named Amy wrote on the same website, The night before, my friend went there with a few of his other friends, and as they were leaving, they all said they heard a girl scream, which was weird because no one was there but the six of them. I didn't think much of it until the story above talked about hearing the family screaming. I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I'm sure not going to mess with them. Our next cemetery is Sims Cemetery. There's another haunted cemetery in Ohio, and this one is located in Athens. Sims Cemetery is located on Peach Ridge Road on private property, and graves here date back to the mid-1800s. The number of headstones still here are few. The cemetery is believed to have been named after a man named John Sims. He and his family are buried here, and it's believed that he had the dubious job of being the town's hangman. Technically, he was the judge, and so sentenced people to die, many of whom were black. There is a tree atop the hill at the cemetery that people claim is the former hanging tree, and rope burns and marks are still visible on the limbs. Hangings here stopped in the 1890s, but that hasn't stopped people from seeing figures hanging from the limbs. There's a claim out there that this cemetery is part of something called the Cemetery Pentagram. These five cemeteries are Matheny, Hanning, Hunter, Petridge, and Sims. Sims is at the top part of the pentagram. So if you live in Athens, Ohio, I guess be careful if you hit all of those cemeteries in such a, you know, certain pattern. Maybe it'll curse you or something. Good grief. Well, and you know, when you're drawing a shape, it depends upon how you're drawing it to, to make it into a pentagram. This cemetery is small, but its haunted reputation is large. Not only are the hanging victims seen in the limbs of the tree, but they are seen walking around the tree. There are strange sounds heard here and weird light anomalies, mostly in the form of orbs. The spirit of John Sims is here, in the afterlife as well. He is seen wearing a long hooded shroud and walking around the trees, and occasionally chasing anybody in the cemetery after dark, and that sometimes he's carrying a sickle when this happens. I mean, he was the hanging judge, and now he's carrying a sickle too. I'm like, what in the world? Are you sure it's him and not something else? That's what I would think. I don't know, maybe he had a change of occupation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't like the rope anymore. 
The most bizarre claim about this graveyard is that it moves around and relocates itself. Huh? Here's what's usually happening, I'm sure. You've got teenagers who've been drinking and they go out and they can't find it over and over again. Oh, it must be moving around. Yeah. And then there's a legend connected to the cemetery claiming that a woman named Mary Roberts was buried near the Sims family plot and that she was put to death for being a witch. She was buried in this spot to curse Sims for his sins. Mary was actually buried elsewhere with her father and daughter on their farm. So that's one of those legends that we debunked. It looks like she died from a natural death and was buried on the family property, not over here. And So I don't know why her name came up and why she gets linked to that. Next, we're back here in Florida for the Miami City Cemetery. Miami had originally been known as Biscayne Bay Country. An early landowner here was Julia Tuttle, and after the Great Freeze of 1894, took out most of the citrus in the state, save for that in southern Florida, she managed to convince railroad tycoon Henry Flagler to bring his railway down to Miami. Miami was incorporated as a city in 1896 with a population of only 300. Can you imagine that about Miami now? Not at all. Many of these people were people of color. In 1897, the city of Miami purchased land from the Brickell family and founded Miami City Cemetery, which today can be found at 1800 Northeast 2nd Avenue. This is the oldest graveyard in the area. There are around 9,000 burials here. Most of the early burials were for black people, and the first definitely was on July 14, 1897. The cemetery was segregated early, with whites buried on the east end and blacks on the west end. A Jewish segment was started in 1915, as well as a Catholic section. So it's interesting when you're reading about this, they go, oh, well, we have our first burial is, and then it's some white person's name. And it's like, but blacks were being buried there for a long time. So, yeah. This cemetery has a very unique situation. Owners of a plot actually own the deed to the plot. People can still be buried in this graveyard today, but there is a strict criteria that must be met. The person who wants to be buried here must either hold the deed or prove that they are related to the deed holder. There are around 10 to 20 burials a year. Some of the interesting burials include pioneer families like the Peacocks, Dr. James Jackson, and the Burdines, military burials that include Confederates, Union soldiers, and Spanish-American War veterans, and Julia Tuttle, who is considered the mother of Miami. There's also the only known phyolitic limestone gravestone found in the world. This is Miami Ulic, which is formed from fossils of coral, echinoids, mollusks, and algae. Other oolitic limestone is formed from small grains of sand that have rolled around the seafloor collecting calcite, which binds different grains of sediment together. Sarcophagi were made from an unusual limestone, and sarcophagus means flesh-eating. This was a specific kind of limestone that facilitated the decomposition of flesh. Yeah, so I thought it was really interesting that they have this 5 oolitic limestone gravestone. It's the only one in the world. I'm assuming that it's got five things that make up this certain kind of oolitic limestone. Right. And then in Miami, you have another rare form of it. And so I just thought, well, that's really cool. And then I was like, well, I want to know more about this oolitic limestone. And so then that's where the sarcophagi come into it because they're made out of limestone too. And I had no idea that it meant flesh eating. Neither did I. Yeah, I just thought it was an Egyptian name for coffin or something, but it really means limestone that will eat flesh. I had no idea that limestone would do that either. (laughs) I just know it likes to hold on to spirits. Right. So let's look more closely at some of these prominent burials. William M. Burdines was the founder of Burdines, which was a chain of department stores in Florida with a headquarters in Miami. Macy's eventually bought it out and dropped the Burdines name. William died in 1911. John Sewell was the third mayor of Miami, and he was buried here in 1938. Dr. James Jackson was the first resident physician in Miami. And then there was Julia Tuttle, as we mentioned earlier. Now, you guys have probably never heard of her. But that's a shame because she's the only woman to found a major American city. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It is. What a claim to fame. And nobody's probably ever heard of her. And it's not like it was just any old city. It's Miami. Right. It's a big one. She owned the land upon which Miami was founded and she was called the mother of Miami. Tuttle convinced Flagler, as we said earlier, too, to move his railway south by sending him a bouquet of flowers so that she could prove to him that the freeze had not touched Miami. Flagler agreed to bring the railway down, and Tuttle supplied him with the land for a hotel and a railroad station for free. So I guess that was the agreement. He's like, I'll come down if you'll give me some land for free. Sure. Unfortunately, Tuttle died at the age of 49 from meningitis. Julia Tuttle's spirit is one of the apparitions seen here in the cemetery. People claim to feel as though someone is standing near them when they visit her memorial. 
She shows up when vandals come onto the property and start their antics. So it's as though she's protecting the cemetery. Good for her. I'd be haunting their butts, too. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, if I'm going to be stuck having to haunt a cemetery, that's what I'm going to be doing is running off these vandals. Probably the most strange burial is that of Carrie Barrett Miller. Her husband requested that after her body was placed in the grave, sans coffin, that she should be covered in concrete. The tombstone explains why. The body of Carrie Barrett Miller was molded in this solid block of concrete, December 4th, 1926. After the body has gone to dust, her sleeping form will remain. But one has to wonder who would see the form. Even with the concrete there, people claim to hear scratching coming from the grave. Isn't that weird that there's scratching? So it makes you wonder, was she buried alive? And then when the concrete came down? Or maybe she doesn't (laughs) like that she didn't have a coffin. I don't know. But I thought, isn't that strange that he wanted her form to be looking peaceful, I guess? I guess. But I'm like, well, how are you ever going to see that? So what does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. An obsession probably that was in his mind, I I guess. guess. Or maybe she asked for it. Who knows? Prison Paranormal went in with a spirit box, and near the Vereen family's mausoleum, they got the name Vereen and also David twice. That was the name of the guy using the spirit box. Near Robert Emmett Cooney's chest tomb, the spirit box said Robert Emmett twice. Now, you know, when you listen to these spirit boxes, you're like, okay, well, maybe it's just something that's being said on the radio and it's kind of clicking in. Sure. But Vereen, right near the family mausoleum. Yeah, that's not a super common name. And Robert Emmett. Maybe Robert, but not those two together. Exactly. It then said, of course he died when David asked how he died. Because he kept going around asking in all these (laughs) different tombstones, how'd you die? How'd you die? How'd you die? And then this spirit box voice comes through and goes, of course he died. You dummy. (laughs) The name David came up a lot. So it came up twice in the beginning. And then it kept coming up throughout the middle of this video that I was watching. I'm like, they definitely know his name. And I keep saying it. It's weird. An interesting exchange said, we're dead. Then another voice said, don't tell him that. Oh, my goodness. And I mean, I'm listening to this stuff coming out of the spirit box, too, going, yep, that's what it's saying. So it's really weird. There was also I'm here twice and we're here once. So I thought that was really cool video. The military sections of the cemetery really had a security guard freaked out. He'd experienced some strange things in the cemetery and he happily shared about those. But when it came to these sections, he would say only don't go there after dark. So I don't know what happened to him, but... That's kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah. (laughs) I need to know more. Ronnie Horowitz is a historian and volunteer at the cemetery, and he has found all kinds of strange things connected to Santeria and voodoo. So that's why they've had a lot of the vandalism and stuff going on there is because this is coming in there. These are both practiced heavily in Miami. He's found a goat's leg, a pig's head, little cups of espresso, and voodoo dolls. Yeesh. Yeah. Every Sunday, the grave of Lieutenant General N.I. Egorov of the Russian Imperial Army is covered with sweets. Only sweets. I have no idea. Maybe he likes sweets? I would imagine so. So because of this stuff going on that's connected to Santeria and voodoo, that has caused some people to claim that there's a dark energy in the cemetery. Gotcha. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And now we're on to Indian Spring Cemetery. This second haunted cemetery from Florida is named for the site where it is located, Indian Spring. The Calusa Native American tribe were mound builders that were here starting around 3,000 years ago. They are more popularly known here as the Shell Indians. They lived along the southwest coast of Florida and controlled most of southern Florida. They were seafaring warriors and the other indigenous tribes feared them. Their homes in Indian Spring would have been built on stilts, and the roofs would have been fashioned from palmetto leaves. The homes had no sides. They collected shells and left them in piles that can still be seen today. They died out in the late 1700s. More than likely, an Indian burial ground was here. And what's really cool, Kelly, is I've actually seen some of those shell mounds today. That's actually very cool. Yeah. You'll be hiking through the woods and then all of a sudden you'll see all these shells piled up. And it's like, what in the world is that? And I'm talking big mounds, like six feet tall and stuff. Oh, wow. Very cool. cool. It's kind of like basically their trash pile. 
White settlers would set down roots and form the town of Charlotte Harbor, just south of Punta Gorda. They would found Indian Spring Cemetery in 1886. James L. Sandlin, a Florida pioneer, donated the land. The cemetery stretches over 40 acres and about 2,500 people are buried here, with 380 of them being veterans of all wars. Sandlin is one of those people. Other notable people buried here are Virginia Taylor Tribune, who died in 1924 and was the wife of Punta Gorda's founder, Sally Jones, who was Florida's first female superintendent of schools, and she died in 1960. Albert Waller Gilchrist, who died in 1926 and was the Florida Southern Railway surveyor who platted Indian Spring and served as governor of Florida from 1909 to 1913. And Joel Bean, who died in 1943 and was the founder of El Jobin, Florida's first circular city. And that's an anagram of his name. And our moment noddity was inspired by his name and him being buried here in the cemetery. Indian Spring Cemetery is said to be haunted. People claim to see ghostly lights and to hear disembodied moaning and screaming. Shadow figures are also seen. Diane's friend Scott Walker founded Peace River Ghost Trackers, and they have collected evidence at the graveyard. Their group experienced the sounds of crying and wailing female voices, and they witnessed lights moving across the graveyard and disappearing into graves. They think the mausoleum on the west side of the cemetery is the most haunted location where they witnessed several times a dark shadow that drifted out of it and floated down along the Alligator Creek. On the Florida Haunted Houses website, a couple of people posted about hearing screams in the cemetery too. One wrote, I was the only one who had heard it, which was astonishing as it was so very loud. I had heard a woman screaming as if she was at the verge of death. She sounded to be about 18 to 28 years old. In Dave Laffam's book, Ghost Hunting Florida, he writes about the experiences of a woman named Jody who lives near the cemetery. She and her mother used to walk their dogs in the evenings along the road next to the cemetery. One evening, when she was about 14 or 15, they walked a little farther than normal, and by the time they turned around to go home, it was getting dark. That didn't particularly bother them because they knew the area. This was their neighborhood. But as they strolled along, the dogs began to bark excitedly at something in the cemetery. At first, Jody and her mother couldn't see anything, but then lights appeared, floating three to four feet off the ground, and occasionally what looked like large, dark balls of mist swooshing by them. Suddenly, the dogs stopped barking and became very nervous. Frightened now, they all raced home. Jody doesn't walk there in the dark anymore. (laughs) I can't say as I blame her, although I'd be pretty darn curious about that. Yeah, I've never heard of these like misty balls of light that are flying around and things like that. Yeah, the only thing that would get me is the fact that the dogs got so nervous Mm -hmm. because when they're upset, I have that kind of feeling like maybe there's a reason to be upset Yeah, (laughs) versus being curious about it. Yeah, they can see things that we can't and they definitely sense things that we don't. Now we have the Seventh-day Baptist Cemetery or the Green Lady Cemetery. Seventh-day Baptist Cemetery, or as the locals nicknamed it, Green Lady Cemetery, is located upon Upson Road in Burlington, Connecticut. This is the oldest cemetery in Burlington and dates back to the late 18th century. The name indicates that this is the burial ground for members of the Seventh-day Baptist Church. This was a religious group that originated in Rhode Island, and 20 families decided to move to Burlington, Connecticut, and established a new church there in 1780. When the church was built, a half an acre was set aside for the purpose of a public burial ground. Residents of Burlington didn't care much for this group, and they made attempts to drive them away, which eventually happened in 1820. The last burial in the cemetery just happens to be Diane's birthday, October 14th in 1881. You're quite old. I know. (laughs) You look good for your age. (laughs) The cemetery soon took on another name, and that was the Green Lady Cemetery, due to a legend. Locals claimed to see a green spectral figure in the cemetery, and they started calling her the Green Lady. Most people believe this is the spirit of a woman named Elizabeth Palmiter, who was a Seventh-day Baptist. She apparently died after going out into a bad snowstorm looking for her husband. He had gone to town to get supplies, but decided to stay put when he saw how bad the weather was. Elizabeth got lost and drowned in a swamp. The story goes that her husband Benjamin found her body frozen in the swamp wearing a green dress. There is one version of the legend that claims Benjamin murdered her and threw her in the swamp. So I don't know which of those is true or if this is even a real story about anybody. Many people have claimed to see the spirit glowing in a green mist when they pass by the cemetery. Some have been close enough to see her smile before she disappears. Mysterious lights are also seen at the graveyard. Some say the light almost appears to be the light from a lantern, and they wonder if this is the spirit of Benjamin looking for Elizabeth. 
As is the case with so many cemeteries, people claim that satanic rituals took place here in the early 1990s. A couple of local students found an altar in the cemetery, and they heard disembodied voices yelling at them. Get out! Get out! Get out! They fled from the cemetery. There is a claim that a paranormal researcher was in the cemetery recording, and she captured shrieking noises and was also tapped on the shoulder in December 2015. Our next cemetery is Nunica Cemetery. Nunica Cemetery is found in the tiny town of Nunica on Michigan's west coast. This is reputedly one of the most haunted cemeteries on that coast and was established in 1883. This is a small secluded cemetery with a winding dirt road that has had a real folk art feel to it because for many years, families were allowed to make their own homemade memorials. Similar to the ones that we just saw last weekend. Yeah, when we went out to do our cemetery bingo, we saw one that was a wooden cross that clearly had the name carved into it. And we thought it was so unusual because all the other family members were these really nice granite gravestones and they had all these different designs on them. There was like the pepper king and it had a pepper on it. Pepper tree, yeah. And the little boy who had the big bird carved on his. Yeah, exactly. And then here was this wooden cross right next to all of them with a girl's name on it, same last name. And it was hand carved. And it was really recent too, wasn't it? Just from last year? No, I thought it was like maybe... Five years ago? Something. So we were but, kind I mean, of was... wondering why it wasn't a temporary marker. No. I mean, it was it was recent, but not so recent that they wouldn't have already gotten a stone made. Right. Your thought was that somebody had made it and they were kind of touched by that fact and so kept it that way. I don't know. Right. Perhaps it was a child of yeah. the person. And then the other one that we, the other cemetery that we went to had all the random home done decorations all around every single gravesite pretty much. Yes, that cemetery that we went to definitely had a very Hispanic feel to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there was a lot of icons that were left, you know, religious symbols and things like that. It was sure. Yeah, and they the- all had their own individual way of making a barrier around each plot. Yeah, and I made a video of it. And I think I'll see if I can put that up on Instagram or something so that people can see what we're talking about there. Cool. A notable burial here is for Henry E. Plant. He was a Civil War Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. He served as a corporal in Company F, 14th Michigan Infantry. He earned his medal on March 19, 1865 during the battle at Benningtonville in North Carolina. He rushed forward to rescue his unit's colors from the Confederates when his color bearer had fallen mortally wounded. He died in 1925. Another Civil War veteran here is Joel A. Bond, whom people refer to as Mr. Bond. He served with the 21st Michigan Infantry. He owned a farm in Nunica and lived until 1913. Investigators claim that he haunts the cemetery and likes to get cheeky with the ladies by playing with their hair and touching their bottoms. Oh my! (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple of legends here. One claims that a tree near the front of the cemetery was used by a man to hang himself. A missing branch seems to lend credence to this fact and that it was cut off perhaps to bring the man down. People claim to get a creepy feeling when near the tree. Another legend claims that there are no burials in the front of the cemetery because this is a Native American burial ground. There is no record of either of these stories, but they are interesting. Nicole Bray, the founder of West Michigan Ghost Hunter Society, is investigated inside the cemetery. Her first visit, she took an EMF detector with her and it was going crazy. This cemetery is nowhere near anything that would give off an electrical field. The energy drained from the equipment every time she visited the cemetery. There's a section that has many children buried in it, and one day when Nicole took a tour group through the cemetery, the group suddenly felt as though cold air was enveloping them, and then someone heard a little boy's voice, and then the cold disappeared as quickly as it came. Amber Rose Hammond wrote the book Ghosts and Legends of Michigan's West Coast, and she claims that when she was in the cemetery, she felt her left hand get really cold. Someone with her pulled out a temperature gauge, and even though it was summer, the gauge read 20 degrees. The cold eventually went away, but it served to back up the story that a little girl's ghost likes to hold hands with visitors to the cemetery. There is a lady in white here who has been seen on a part of the cemetery that is on a hill. I thought that was neat. Sounds to me like the little girl was holding Amber Rose's hand. Yeah, I mean, 20 degrees. Yeah. grief. It's a really great book, too. If you guys are in the state of Michigan or that area, uh, Amber Rose sent me the book with her autograph, which is very cool. Awesome. And our final cemetery was suggested by Natalie and Asha Moore, and this is Tuong Cemetery in Brisbane. Tuong Cemetery is also known as the Brisbane General Cemetery and was once Brisbane's main cemetery. 
Burial started here in 1871, but was officially founded in 1875 on the slopes of Mount Kutha in Brisbane's inner western suburbs. Hopefully I said that right. Over 120,000 people are buried here over 44 hectares, which is a little over 108 acres, making this Queensland's largest cemetery. The cemetery is beautiful with winding pathways, large fig trees, weeping banyans, bungalow palm, cypress pine, camphor laurels, and avenues of oleander flowers and many unique burials. On our earlier episode featuring Brisbane, that was the Bogo Road Jail episode, we shared that this had once been a penal colony, but quickly transferred to a free area. Since this had been a place with mainly criminals, the first cemetery here was used for burying convicts and soldiers. Such a place did not seem appropriate for children. It was decided that another cemetery needed to be laid out on the outside of the community. This cemetery was soon done away with because expansion encroached on it and another site in Tuwang was chosen. For a couple decades, there would be a lot of debate in regards to this burial ground. Much of the issue dealt with public access, but once it was surrounded with public roads, the debates lessened with most focusing on health issues, and there were some residents who wanted to use the land for other things. We imagine this is one of the only cemeteries to once have had a rifle range. Yeah, so, you know, they have all this land out there and they're like, well, it seems like such a waste to keep it for just dead people. Can't we use it for other things, too? Good grief. So they had a rifle range there at one time. And yeah, the debates went on for years and years and years. And there was always some reason why they didn't like where it was located and the drainage was bad and there were health issues and all this other stuff. But It is stuck around, and like we said, it's one of their biggest cemeteries and just gorgeous. The cemetery was closed to burials except for family members in 1975, but in 1998 it reopened to burials. Many unique memorials and prominent people can be found in Tuwong Cemetery. One of the first burials was for Queensland's second governor, Samuel Wensley Blackall. He had been a big proponent for establishing the cemetery, and he wanted to be buried there. He was buried there on January 3, 1871, on the highest knoll. This grave is the largest and most prominent in the cemetery, and because it's on the high knoll, it has a wonderful view of Brisbane. Most of the high areas of the cemetery were left to the more prosperous. As you make your way to the lower, more watered log areas, you'll find a lower class of people, with paupers being buried in this less desirable area. There are many separate sections for different religions and denominations. Pretty much every denomination, Christian, has their own section, You know, there's the Catholic section and the Lutheran and the Protestant, and then you have the Jewish sections, too. There are graves for 270 Commonwealth Service personnel from World War I and 117th Commonwealth Service personnel from World War II. Some memorials include the Cross of Sacrifice, Shrine of Remembrance, and the Temple of Peace, which was built in 1924 by Prussian migrant Richard Ramo. He designed it as a memorial to his four sons and his dog, who was poisoned, and it has many anti-war inscriptions and several stained glass windows. Adventurer Edward McGregor had a monument made in his likeness, and it features him sitting with his chin on his hand, looking down as he watches over his wife's grave. He holds a laurel wreath in his other hand. It's a really cool memorial. It looks very lifelike, and people say sometimes when you see it at night, you're just waiting for him to like turn and look right at you. It sounds like that one in, I believe it was Oakwood, where the man's sitting in the chair up above the mausoleum. Oh, yeah, the cemetery in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. This one, there are people who claim that he turns and looks at them, too. Yeah, and that's like, I think that that's what Tammy said that was the legend behind this one. Yeah. He would move. It almost makes me think that because they are so lifelike looking that it's just your eyes playing tricks on you. I would imagine. And that other one, the Temple of Peace, that man... They couldn't figure out the story on that one because he says that his four sons are buried in it, but they didn't all die in the war and some died in other places at other times. So we don't really know what's going on with that memorial. It's a little weird. Some mystery surrounding it. Many politicians are buried here, like Leslie Corey, who had been a mayor of Brisbane, and Frank Ford, who'd been prime minister of Australia. A controversial grave is said to be the final resting place of Walter Thomas Poriot, whom Queensland historians Jack Sim and Paul Tully believe may have been Jack the Ripper. And you probably recognize Jack Sim from the Bogo Road Jail. He is the historian there and the caretaker of the jail. This Walter Thomas Poriot was a convicted killer and known to be a man of a thousand identities, and he was in the Whitechapel area of London during the murders. You can find him under a tombstone that reads, Bessie died the 25th of June, 1957, and her husband. Oh, okay then. And her husband. Yeah, so I'm like, how in the world do they know that that's who's there? And I don't know. 
This is located at portion 7A, section 185, grave number 9 and 10. So if you want to check it out, you can pay your respects to maybe Jack the Ripper. Carl Kast was a German immigrant who took 12 homemade pipe bombs and a gun with him to Wickham House, where he killed a doctor, wounded two others, and ignited three bombs in the foyer. He went 100 meters to Ballow Chambers and killed another doctor, tried to kidnap another one, and then locked himself in an office where he shot himself and lit another bomb. He died in the hospital later and was buried in Tuong Cemetery. His motive for the rampage was that he had been injured in an accident, and he went around to doctors looking for someone to relieve his pain and get him on a lifelong pension. Doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him and said it was all in his mind. Apparently, he decided to make the doctors pay for challenging his story. There are historical tours offered and ghost tours are available on Fridays and Saturdays. One of the most beautiful memorials is for the main family. This crypt of the famous main family includes the patriarch and matriarch of the family and all but one of their six children, all of whom did not marry. Something I found out about this, everything that I read about this crypt said that the main family had five children. But when I was looking at the crypt and looking at the names, there are six names on there. Huh. So then when I started looking at it more closely, they had a child who died who was very young. I, th- I think they don't only lived like a month or two. Oh, okay. So I'm like, what, they don't count? <laughs> I don't know. That child was buried somewhere else and then brought over when they made this crypt and put in with the rest of the main family. So they actually had six children, not five. So when you read about the main family and it says there are five children, there were six of them. Yeah, Just that's kind of horrible. <laughs> one died right after it was born. All of the children did not marry. The Mains were philanthropists and benefactors to the University of Queensland, and this is who takes care of the crypt today. The tomb is ornate with lots of carved design elements and is surrounded by a white wrought iron gate, kind of fencing that goes all the way around it and stuff. The crypt is said to be haunted with people claiming to hear sounds coming from inside of it that sound something like there's something being thrown around on the inside or angry voices arguing. And a crimson liquid has been seen leaking from the bottom of the crypt before. Ew. There's a story that claims that Patrick Main had been a violent man and he once killed someone and dismembered that person, but that another person was charged with a crime. On his deathbed, Main confessed to the crime and the curse that was upon him passed on to his children, which is why it said that they never married or had children because they didn't want to pass the curse on. And while I would be like, well, that's an interesting legend, when I was looking at this and I saw that none of the kids had gotten married, I thought that is the most unusual thing I've ever heard of. Maybe right. one or two, but I'm like, all of them not getting married? That just seems so strange to me. But if they thought there was this curse that would get passed on to their children, maybe that's why. Clearly, they believed in it. There is supposedly a spook hill inside the cemetery. This is a hill that Avenue 12 extends over. And if you put your car in neutral, it will get pushed backwards up the hill. The cause is thought to be the spirit of two sisters killed in a car accident who are buried at the top of the hill. This isn't the only legend connected to Spook Hill. Supposedly, a vampire is seen at the bottom of the hill. The story with this one dates back to the turn of the century, and it claims that a woman's grave was exhumed after she'd been buried for 20 years so that they could figure out what she had died from, and the body was discovered to be in perfect condition and her teeth had elongated fangs. The coffin had not been nailed shut, and the dirt above it had seemed loose. After this, reports started of a woman dressed in 19th century garb with long dark hair being seen at the bottom of the hill. Jack Sim tells a story about an elderly lady who visited the cemetery with a friend because she wanted to place flowers on the grave of a friend. They saw an attractive young lady with long hair, so they smiled at her. When she smiled back, she revealed a double row of sharp pointed teeth. The women were scared by this and hurried to their car. When they got to the front gate, the same woman was there, and there was no way she could have beaten them to the gate. The woman stepped aside and let them leave. That's pretty freaky. I wonder yeah. what, what was going on there. I'd be a tad bit disturbed by that <laughs> if it happened to me. Yeah, I don't know why they needed to exhume this woman's grave to see what she had died from. If maybe she'd been a victim of maybe foul play and they wanted to verify that or I don't know. But uh, as we know, a lot of these people, when they dig them up and opened up the coffins and found them in this certain state that they usually equated it to, oh, they're a vampire when it's just natural decomp or... Or the fact that their nails and everything keep growing. Yeah. I don't know. Very interesting, though. And it's very cool to have another cemetery here with a vampire. A rite of passage in the cemetery used to be connected to the memorial of boxing legend Peter Jackson, or Peter the Great, who fought 28 of the best men in England and America and lost to none. 
In the 1950s, young men would challenge each other to go into the cemetery and stand in front of the memorial. Then there'd be the sound of a bell ringing and Jackson would appear wearing his boxing gloves. Probably even more than being a legend, it probably was older boys scaring the younger boys by ringing a bell off in the woods. I'm not sure why the boys would see the boxing grate because he doesn't have a statue at the gravesite. You know, you'd think maybe it's because all of a sudden they see the statue and think right. it's moving. His tombstone is actually a thick cube-shaped obelisk that stands eight feet with a lion atop it and a bust of Jackson on the side. Stories of ghost sightings go back to World War II in the cemetery. There are claims of a strange entity hissing at people that has been nicknamed the Angel of Death. Jack Sim claims to have seen the entity 10 times in eight years. I don't know if you believe him or not, but I was like, okay. A guy was on the tour when it made an appearance and he declared it a fake and ran over to where the figure was to prove the tour had staged the event. He came running back full bore and declared that it was floating and had no feet. (laughs) I don't know if he just continued out of the cemetery. I would think tour's over. A woman in black morning clothes from the early 1900s is seen in the cemetery near the woods, walking among the tombstones. And if anyone gets too close, she disappears into the woods. Historic cemeteries not only fall victim to vandals, but they are also surrounded by legends. It's hard to pick through what may be true. Many of these cemeteries have legends that seem to be just that, but there are some ghost stories that could be true as well. Are any of these cemeteries haunted? That That is for you to decide. Well, that was a lot of fun, Kelly, and it comes right on the heels of us doing our cemetery bingo last weekend, which was a lot of fun. It does, and that was a blast. And for the first time ever, we had four people that got an entire blackout on their bingo cards. I know. They made such a great effort, too. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, they were going to like four or five cemeteries during the whole process. So I thought, wow. Getting locked into cemeteries. Yes, actually. (laughs) Jessica and Arena did get locked in, didn't they? Temporarily, but yeah. And Dolly was, she should have been rained out, but she just kept going. Yeah. I'm sure she was soaking wet. It's not fun walking around in wet jeans, but (laughs) no. But so great effort by everybody. And you and I didn't want to be the bad guys when it came to having to pick which of the four had the most unique photo from the cemetery. So we're like, let's put it to a vote for the spectacular crew. Right. It's just easier to be unbiased that way. Yeah. Jessica and Arena Garcia were our winners. So Jessica is the one who gets to get the T-shirt. So that was very cool. Congratulations to them. We encourage you guys to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. I got a message from Rose. She said, there's a bridge in a small town in New Mexico called Peggy Sue Bridge. Legend has it there was a teenager named Peggy Sue who was walking her dog when the dog fell, ran off the bridge about 40 feet down. Peggy ran after it and died. Her name appeared on the underside of the bridge. You can hear screaming, barking, see a woman jump off, etc. But here's the kicker. That never happened. Nearly a hundred years ago, my grandfather started this tale accidentally. Peggy Sue was real. He'd gone on a couple dates with her and they broke up when she moved to Arizona. He got depressed and drank himself to a stupid decision point, got a bucket of paint and went to this bridge. The reason people say the writing couldn't have been written by someone is because it was in a very inconvenient place under this tall crossing area, I guess. Well, he had hung upside down Legs holding onto a bar to do this. Oh, my gosh. Emphasis on the stupid decisions. (laughs) Wow. She said, I hope you enjoy this urban legend opposite ghost story. How fun. Yeah. So I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, that is so great. I love, you know, because you hear these legends and you're like, where did this come from? And so to hear the origins of it is so very neat. And I just wanted to tell Jess, thanks so much for your video in the crew. It was so cute. I want to thank Jonathan for sending me the Haunted Memphis book. It's part of the series that I've been collecting, so I thought that was very cool. Awesome. That was so nice of them. And we've also been getting some goodies from some of the Spooktacular crew. We have. Especially the dogs. They've been getting all (laughs) kinds of treats. Our spoiled little fluffy stinkers. (laughs) Yeah. So we want to thank you guys for that, and we hope everybody enjoyed doing the virtual trick-or-treat. Keep in mind that we will be doing a Zoom on Halloween night. I'll be getting that event set up. I'll put it over on the website, too, so people can find it. It'll be fun. Who knows if you'll get a chance to have trick-or-treaters coming or not. But after that, join us and we'll show off our costumes and just visit and have a good time. Definitely. So looking forward to it. We want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery... Carrie Ann Doring, she is going to be buried under a marble headstone, and Shelby Rickert 
you're going to be buried in a chest tomb. Thank you so much for supporting HGB, you guys. You really are the ones that keep the show going. You can find History Goes Bump on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Play, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. I'm cutting my tooth. I'm sorry. <laughs> like all of a sudden she's chewing something. We haven't eaten for a few hours, I don't think. Well, I did have some popcorn. Oh, okay. Here I go. <laughs> popcorn kernels in the throat again. But it wasn't kettle corn. No. That's Damn hot. We are all going to die. And most- wow. Thanks for that, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better Just already. Just you didn't know. What a great Sunday. Are you done? <laughs> yes. <laughs> This memorial could be a simple wooden cross, a small plaque, plague, <laughs> typo. Okay, so sometimes I type the wrong word. Or maybe they just want to be memorialized with a small plague. <laughs> Who doesn't want a small plague to memorialize their life? All right, that's enough of 2020. <laughs> <clears throat> Do it again. Because I'm such a biatch. <laughs> You're a slave driver. I'm a tyrant when it comes to the podcast. Perfection. Clearly, we are very perfect at that. (laughs) (laughs) Why in the world did I ever let you talk me into sharing these bloopers with everyone? I wanted them to all think we were professional and got it right in the first take. I like breaking that fourth wall, so. I know. (laughs) The cemetery has Daryl's. Derelict? It has Daryl's baiting, too. Great. Flagler agreed to bring the whale... Whaleway? <laughs> the whaleway. Whaleway. We're bringing some whales on down. That's a big railroad car if it's bringing a whale. <laughs> Although I'm sure Barnum probably would have tried it. I'm sure he would have. They are probably known here as the Shell Indians. Oh. <laughs> probably or popular? <laughs> I don't know how you change probably or popular into probably. But. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. They lived along the southwest coast. The southwest? The southwest, yeah. The southwest. They collected shells and left them in piles at the... What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. Are you a robot and you just got... The tape got caught for a minute? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> they died out in the late 1700s. <laughs> they died out in the late 1700s? Honey, oh my you, god american, you threw me american history all kinds of history just got really long oh god you threw me earlier and i'm having a hard time recovering this valentine's day duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit duncan refresher with a cupid's choice donut are you ready for love america runs on duncan Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.